out those lights, kid. Wants me to knock out the lights. You see the mess on the streets? Well, I'm not gonna take the rap for this. Well, he's that, that tap dancing Yankee fry boy from this morning. Yeah, I know. He's wearing the stripes. Well, it be, Sarge. Right. Let's knock out these lights! Hey, what? Did you have a dance with the devil? Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Fascinating Films. I mean, it it's was, good to know. It, it wasn't pale. Like, the moon wasn't pale. It was, it was sort of really bright. <laughs> that just doesn't work, does it? <laughs> so how you been, man? Been good. Been good. Uh, Doing a lot of uh, working and... Uh, not a lot of working, but I'm working... I'm making I like good not money. Doing a lot of I'm working. making good money not working many hours. Me too. I've been doing some eBay sales yeah. and things have been great. I don't like how, but it's the way eBay does stuff now is they like put out, uh, they don't, you can wait like weekly and have them give you the money a week or it's a day. So like every day I just have money showing up in my bank account, which is pretty cool. So I'm happy with doing some toy sales. I'm going up north next week to uh, buy some stock from my cousin who's got a toy store. Anyone that listens to us knows that I, uh, Eric's got a toy store up in Easton, Mass. Go visit it. The Emporium of Interesting and Retro Collectibles. That's literally the name? Yeah, it's called Eric. It works out to Eric's. Gotcha. Yeah, it's pretty clever. Way better than if you had to write all that stuff. Oh, well, it was way better than Land of Electronics, which, does, which <laughs> is what yeah, it used to be. It doesn't sound like anything to do with toys. No. And <laughs> that was what was confusing about the whole thing. Now it's definitely toy heavy, even compared yeah, to like being video in games. marketing. <laughs> you gotta. People have to read your name and even be intrigued by it, yeah. or know exactly what his, to do. His store is getting huge too. He's got like all over New England. People are driving up from too. He's got people coming it's, from Maine. It's from a New good Hampshire. place to have a toy store because a lot of people, a lot of the boomers that grew up and oh, had yeah. kids and their kids are moving, gonna start moving to Florida. They're oh, yeah. gonna start going in attics. He's still got and, that type of thing happening. Like yeah. parents bringing their yeah their down kids here clothes. in Florida, somebody. Had brought that toy here, so they usually know what they have. You yeah, know what I, I mean? don't. I'm sure there's there's collectibles here in Florida, but I don't think it's as. But they many came yet. from up north, I imagine. Yeah. Well, no, not necessarily, but the people are collectors, so yeah. it's, it's interesting. Watch any movies this week? I did not watch a single movie this not, week. Oh, that's sad. That's sad day. I've been going through some crazy movies. Well, I've been buying a whole lot of 4K movies. So when they've come in to like take a look at them, I put them on and then end up watching them. Like I got Black Panther yesterday and ended up putting it on just to see what it looks like and then watch the whole thing because it's just gorgeous. So far, I've got like 31 4K movies and the best looking one so far is that Finding Dory. It's like insane how Finding good it looks. Dory. The sequel to Finding Nemo. Oh. It's just next level. Those things are set up to look like that. Oh, it's so Plus good. Plus it's... it's- Disney Pixar? Yeah, it's Disney Pixar, but the 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 water and like how it ripples off fish in there. It's insane how great it looks. And I told Christina when we were sitting here watching, I was like, this is definitely the best looking one I've seen so far. There's other ones that have come very, very close. All the Marvel movies are like, wow. Those are the movies that you absolutely want on 4K. We Do got we like even, two weeks until we the new Spider-Man. Need actors anymore, pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you will need them to Voice deliver actors. the lines. You Voice won't actors. Need any, you won't need to do anything. Well, the way certain movies, the way they've gotten with uh, facial recognition and stuff now, they can just do old prequels with yeah. the actor going in there. Like yeah. you could have James. Someone we need nineteen-year-old Mark Hamill. Get him. 
Yeah, or you can have <laughs> you could do that. Well, that's what they did too in the Mandalorian. If yeah. you, you're probably I not didn't. familiar with the Mandalorian or the Boba Fett series, uh, I know it exists, but it, they brought in an actor to play Mark Hamill, and you would not know it wasn't Mark Hamill. They've gotten really good over they, the last couple of years. They do like a facial digital overlay. Yeah, yeah, and you would know it wasn't him. It's like insane because just a couple of years ago they were doing it. They did it with Robert Downey Jr. They did it with a couple different actors, and you could still tell. You could look at it and you'd be like, yeah, now. Can't tell at all. It's crazy. But we got the Oscars coming up this week, so I was excited. I wanted to watch a whole bunch of them, and I still want to watch that Nightmare Alley, which is Guillermo del Toro. Haven't seen that yet, but I watched Licorice Pizza. Glamour, I bet there's some uh, I bet there's some gears in it. Oh, yeah. You could definitely know there's gears in there. <laughs> but I watched Licorice Pizza here the other day. I rented it on iTunes, which is the P.T. Anderson movie, the new P.T. Anderson movie. And I love all his movies. Love, obviously, is Magnolia. One, is this a sad one or a happy one? No, it's a coming age one. But it's not. I'm not going to be utterly depressed. No, 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 no. But the problem I have with it is it doesn't. Not a lot of happens during it. Everything you're watching is good, and it's it's very clever, and the dialogue's great. But you're waiting for some like horrific thing to happen because it's PT Anderson, and And not even horrific, just some like shocking, some shocking stuff, and it doesn't really happen. I was like, okay, that's good. And when it ended, you're like, all right, that's cute. But it also. And I'm watching everyone do the award show stuff on all the uh, the late night shows and everything. And there's a bunch of people from Licorice Pizza coming on there. And I remember turning to my because in the the real meat of it is a 25 year old dating a 15 year old in the 70s. And I was like, is people not going to mention the fact that it's a 25 year old dating a 15 year old? That's not going to come up here at all. And no one seems to be bothered by that fact. And watching the movie, they didn't have to make those ages that way. It 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 would be just as fine if they were two eighteen year olds falling in love. Was he? Did he want a shocking factor of what I'm watching? Is is not shouldn't we weren't watching them have sex and stuff like that? Okay. So that wasn't an element to it. It was like a fifteen year old that acted really a, a lot older than he was, and the the twenty five year old and the both two of the most awkward looking kids you ever seen the boy yeah. had never been in anything before and i can't believe he hadn't been nominated because he's fabulous and like everything the script is great and it just deals with the the movie business in the 70s and they work kind of in the business um what's his name uh bradley cooper is in it playing like kind of a crazy character he's m- dating barbara streisand but it's not james brolin so it must have been one of the other people that had dated him that dated Babs before she married James Brolin, but uh, he was kind of a crazy character and everything and an asshole, and he was he was good. So it was good, but it's so weird what they have chosen for the top ten best pictures. It really pisses me off that Spider Man's not on there because it was one of the best superhero movies I ever seen. Has a, let has alone a superhero one of the best movie movies. ever won an Oscar? No, but it's been nominated. Black Panther was nominated. And it deserved to be nominated. Uh, I'm surprised Batman didn't get anything because Batman, these are fabulous movies that are like breaking unbelievable records here. Mm -hmm. And the more and more people discount them as not real movies, it doesn't help when Scorsese comes out and says he hates them. Good thing happened this week is, for instance, Coppola came out and said he thinks Deadpool is one of the best movies that come out in the last 20 years. And I was like, well, that's something. You know, at least it's a a well-known, established, one of those great directors that come out and say, you know, these aren't flukes. There's a reason these are making good money and they've got good actors and they've got good scripts to it. I mean, it's a fantasy movie, but what's the difference between that and Star Wars or any of the fantasy movies these guys have done? Avatar, yeah. I mean, Avatar, 
you just hear a lot about that coming out too. Especially, uh, supposedly, we're going to see a trailer for Avatar two at the beginning of Doctor Strange, which comes out in like May. So it'll be interesting. People are saying it's going to be phenomenal. How many years did he work on it? He's been working on it for a couple of years, but it, what pisses me off, and I think what pissed people off, is he's already come out and they even on IMDb it says that Avatar six is is in pre-production or something i was like come on man let's get through two and let's see how that does and get through three i mean unless he's making them all together to save money i don't think he's making them all together but i think that's the plan in his head but people are saying it's good i don't know why anyone would shit on it because it's james cameron and james cameron always puts out gold what i liked the most about avatar was the fact that it was an evil corporation was the bad guy yeah (laughs) i mean and that always works i mean you need that type of bad there were several one in alien who, what was the name of the company in Aliens? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good question. The uh, started with a D. Wydell, Wydell Company, the Wendell Company, or yeah. something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, started yeah. with a W, and then yeah, it really went in good with Prometheus when they went into it with Gary uh, or Guy Pierce played the old character that had froze himself. And yeah, yeah, I, I love when they do that, and they could do an alien movie that's just that name and be like a prequel of how evil the company started, but. Yeah, I liked how they did it. It's almost like, it's almost like the uh, like Darth Vader was the evil corporation. Yeah, like that yeah. was the first original evil corporation. <laughs> well, the movie we're talking about today, and it it, it was interesting. I was talking to Justin about, um, and I was talking to Christina. I had made a list of top hundred movies, and that might come into play in our some future project we have going on with uh, Fascinated Films, also. But if you can go back and listen to all the podcasts, you'll see we haven't mentioned. A movie twice ever yeah right. so start at the beginning <laughs> and keep watching until the end <laughs> dave might be jesting a little bit but what i think is fabulous is i went through my top hundred and i went through and i wanted to see who the top director i had on my list how many movies i had most by one director I bet it's not who you think it is um i don't know if i really thought about it i think i would have guessed that it was spielberg and it's spielberg and five, you probably would have wanted to say somebody else though. yeah maybe john carpenter or quentin i would think of and those aren't even number two and three because number two is brian de palma and three is francis Ford coppola yeah so not until like four and five would it be john carpenter and quentin but number one is is definitely spielberg and there's several movies that could have like squeaked into my top hundred and that may have been like six or seven this one probably wouldn't have made my top hundred that we're about to do today but it would definitely make my top 250 because this was a huge movie, and it was—it's really strange how people think of 1941, the uh, the film we're going to be talking about today. Hopefully, everyone's seen it or are interested in it, or just want to hear us talk about it. I old can't Spielberg recommend movie. this movie higher. It's so to good anybody, to anybody. You I remember can... you recommending it to our buddy Jose back in the yeah. day, and he was blown away how great it was. Yeah. And not so only much, that, he quoted it for the next two years. Yeah, but he would go around <laughs> for days. How could I have gone so long without seeing that yeah. movie? It's, it's so great in every way. John Carpenter's music, all-star cast like you wouldn't believe. And I'm going to tell you some of the details about it. And you're like, well, maybe it lost a lot of money or something. Made a shitload of money. So why, is it, always, of money. why is it always seen as being a It's a, so weird. I think the time period that it came out might have hindered it a little bit in 79. I don't know what was going on. But it didn't have a lot of promotion done for it, probably. It had so many great actors. It, it's an unbelievable f- film to go back and rewatch. So I'm, I'm glad we get to do it because it was huge in our childhood. We watched this when we were young. 
and it was the it was one of the original not original but it was one of those movies where there were like four or five groups and you followed them all and sometimes and they and they converged in the end yeah 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 no it was told well and it was written by three three really great writers that went on to be big directors themselves well two of the three went on to be huge directors so i i think they brought on a lot of really movie creators that did a fabulous job of kind of constructing it so it made no sense that it wouldn't be huge but i mean three writers that seems like well i'll tell you right now who the writers were okay robert zemeckis all right who obviously went on to do an unbelievable yeah. thing. Watch your mic. It's not even pointing towards your mouth. Uh, Robert Zemeckis, John Melius, who went on to do uh, Red Dawn, Conan the Barbarian, and then Bob Gale, who was the main producer on all the Back to the Future films and a lot of the Zemeckis stuff. So they had three superstars that came on to really like kill it with the movie. So, and... I think it shows, but I don't know what other people were expecting with it because even it's even like a joke on like Family Guy. Like here's Steven Spielberg, who is famous for such classics as always in 1941. That was the line. I was like, obviously that's a rib at Spielberg, but come on, man. I mean, this movie made a fucking ton, shit ton of, mo- of money, and you've always been a fan of it. Ever, but we ever grew since up we with saw it, it on cable, and we grew up with it when we were probably too young to even understand half the jokes in it. I mean, that's how young we were when we yeah. watched this. We were probably five or six when we were watching this movie where we were like, oh, we just know that our father loved Dan Aykroyd and John Bellucci and all these different people that were in it. So, yeah, I loved it. <laughs> Tad's favorite part of the movie was uh, when John Belushi found the squeak toy between his really? legs. Really? That was yeah. one of his favorites? Because yeah. I know he was a huge fan of the ventriloquist dummy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He loved that. And as a kid, that was obviously one of my favorite things, too. Let me go through this cast because cast is massive. And a lot of these people you will know. We won't have to go into what people know them from. But there are a couple minor character actors in this that people have seen in a whole lot of stuff. So uh, in it's one of those things that there isn't really a main star of the movie. You know, everyone's kind of a co-star in this movie. Mm-hmm. So some of the actors in it, we've got Dan Aykroyd, who played uh, one of the uh, the military sergeants in the movie. Ned Beatty. Everyone knows Ned Beatty, John Bellucci. Now, we get a little bit lower here, and we've got Lorraine Gray. Lorraine Gray, most people know as the mom from Jaws. Mm-hmm. She kind of... A lot of There's a few Jaws actors here. A lot of Spielberg One actors. of the dude in the Ferris wheel. Murray was, Hamilton, was, who's who's next on my list. He was the the worst mayor the in worst the history. The worst mayor in the history of mayors. The history of mayors. Uh, and he was also famous at that time for The Graduate, The Hustler. He was in The Boston Strangler. Uh, Christopher Lee obviously was huge in this movie. He played a German soldier, spoke actual German in the movie. And, uh, yeah, apparently he knows like four or five languages and everything. So it, it, I was excited to see him uh, play that role. It Tim Matherson was, uh, played Captain Loomis Burkhead, who was huge already because he had just recently done Animal House, so he was super famous for Animal House. Uh, I mean, the guess the star of the movie, to me, would almost have to be the the uh, the kid that was trying to dance. Oh, Bobby DeChico? Yeah. Yeah, Bobby DeChico is great. Because he, he's the, the one we're supposed to feel for, because he's trying to get the girl. Another major actor in this movie that was super famous for a lot of his Japanese movie was, uh, I'm not going to get his name right here, uh, Toshiro Mifune. 
who was the main commander on the subway subway on the the subway (laughs) there was no subway (laughs) submarine in this and he was famous for doing seven samurai and joe jimbo and like classic classic movies spielberg's a sucker for like what he grew up with putting major actors in those movies i just remembered another jaws actress Who's in this? Oh yeah, the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was. I don't such even a think I have her listed. Opening on here. sequence. That's funny how Spielberg and he had just done the movie like four years ago because yeah. this came out in '79, and he had done Jaws in '75. But he recreated that whole beginning with mm-hmm. that actress in there, which was clever and fun, and recreated shots like that shot of her running down the beach in front yep. of the picket fence was uh, was famous. Hollywood. Hollywood. <laughs> uh, Warren Oates. I loved Warren Oates, man. Warren Oates was so good. He played Madman Maddox in this movie. But I loved him in uh, The Wild Bunch, Badlands. He was great. He played Sissy Spacek's father that Martin Sheen shot in the movie. Race with the Devil, which I recently watched. You ever seen that? No. Awesome movie with Warren Oates and Peter Fonda are in an RV with their wives and they're traveling and in the middle of the night, they're like out drinking like you would be when you set your RV up for camping Mm -hmm. and they see something happen in the distance and they go in the distance and uh, they watch a whole complete satanic ritual sacrifice happening in the distance, full on people wearing masks, running around the fire. I know about you, but I'd, I'd be packing the RV yeah. up. Well, know. right when they're watching it, and they're like, I can't believe we're watching this. One of their wives is like, honey, honey. And then they all look over and they see him. And the rest of the movie, they're just, just, being, chased they're by just being chased by Satan worshipers through the rest of the movie in the RV. And it's a really great movie. One of those movies I can't believe I hadn't I haven't seen. haven't someone done that movie before. I know it. It's got a very Hills Have Eyes feel, but it was on. It was like a, he, on the road, and everyone if you put was, a movie, a horror movie with Satanists in it. You're gonna get people to watch. They the really movie. should remake that because it was really good. You didn't know how many people were part of the group, and it was really clever. Uh, so that war notes. Robert Stack is the the major general in this. He plays General Stillwell. Obviously, super famous for the Untouchables. Uh, a lot of people know him from Airplane, Caddyshack too. Yeah. <laughs> you have a putt with, with a wedgie <laughs> <laughs> Joe versus a volcano and then later his in his career he was known for Unsolved Mysteries which was That's big true. man people forget about no, Unsolved Mysteries I know him from that I yeah. mean I know him from this stuff but that voice man I'm surprised he didn't do a lot more kind cartoon of voiceovers stuff. and Maybe cartoon he stuff yeah he, he could have Treat Williams I love Treat Williams man Treat Williams was always one of my favorite guys in this movie and I loved him from Prince of the City and Dead Heat and a whole bunch of his like Ladder stuff he had done. Nancy Allen. Nancy Allen had already done several De Palma movies. She was in Blowout. She, she had was done Carrie. She was America, just darling for a little while. Yeah, she was. She was in, and she uh, had an affinity for directors. So I think she dated several directors. She dated Brian De Palma for a while. I think she dated John Carpenter for a while. So a lot of them had put her in movies, and she was just a staple. A lot of people know her from RoboCop. It's like Peter Weller's partner in RoboCop. The radio station uses a clip of her, and I've told you the clip before, but I can't figure out what movie it was. It's like, what do I have to say to get to get through to you, is what she said, huh. Nancy Allen says. She like screams it or something? No, it, it sounds like a casual conversation. Um, huh. I'll have to do some research on that. I couldn't pull that I could, out. I put the phrase in her name, but I, nothing didn't pull huh. anything. Uh, some of the minor characters that just came on, just to be background people, John Candy. John Candy was one of the guys on the tank. I mean, he, I mean, he had a pretty decent. He had role. a pretty he decent had four role. Scene, four scenes, yeah. at least. 
Probably more than that, every time they show the tank, he was there. Yeah. Uh, Elijah Cook Jr. had a really small role. I loved Elijah Cook from a lot of his earlier stuff. He uh, he plays the one that, guy that was in the diner that says, uh, War Nerves, where'd you hear that? I heard it on that radio over there. Uh, he was in The Killing. He was kind of okay. the chump that the oh, woman yeah, took yeah, advantage yeah. of to find out when the, uh, the big kind of robbery was going down. But he was famous for... Um, House on Haunted Hill, The Maltese Falcon, The Big Sleep, Rosemary's Babies, One of the Creepy Neighbors. Eddie Deason, who... Hey, look, a baby wolf. Uh, yeah, no, that's uh, that's John Landis. That's right. That's John Landis. Uh, Where? Who All covered in, like, dust, and uh, he had just finished... Uh, he might even been still on the set doing American Werewolf in London. That was what that joke was for. Spielberg put, hey, look, a baby wolf in there because John Landis was in the middle of doing American Wolf in London. I think they had a falling out, though. I had read Did something they? that they had a falling out, and he had removed that scene well, to okay. kind of be a little spiteful. And then, okay. then ended up making up with him and put it back in. So I don't think it actually had gone to anything. Eddie Deason, though, was the guy that was the weird-looking yeah, guy on the, in the, on the Ferris wheel. He recently he from, had some... Was he in Head of the Class, or was he in one of no, those No, but he movies? did look like the guy from Head of the Class. Okay. Uh, he was in War Games. That was the other thing I oh, really yeah, remember yeah, him yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. Grease, uh, Critters 2, he was famous in. One of the more famous ones that it's hard not to realize it's him was uh, the Polar Express. One of the little kids, they made it look like a young Eddie Deason. Oh, and he it? had his voice, and you were like, there's no way that's not Eddie Deason. Yeah. And you looked it up, and it was like, sure as shit. He's had some health problems. I don't know if he had a brain injury or something, but he's still with us. But he had, I remember people were mentioning on uh, to send prayers. And a couple people died recently, Eddie. William Hurt died. That's right. Which is a, <laughs> kind of a bad I thing. mean, a lot of... I've heard a lot of bad stuff come out about him. Yeah, and what's what's even worse is Marley Matlin's on is nominated for Oscars this year, so she's on all the talk shows, which I'm like, I wonder if any people have the balls to mention him yeah. uh, to her. But she was even mentioning it. I watched uh, Drew Barrymore on her. She had her on Drew Barrymore the other day, and uh, Marley mentioned him just in passing, but uh, Drew's not going to dig deep into that. Obviously, no. she had gone on Larry King a long time ago and that's a talked about question for Larry King, not from Drew. Barrymore. Talked about like emotional and physical abuse yeah. that he had done. I think it but was there's another woman that came out. Another woman just said. came out about it too. So and I, it was it sounded I, it's like probably a very, wrong for me to do this, but I it is always I, in the back of my head when I well I I believe the women most of the time all, almost all the time yeah like and 95% then, no one's gonna put themselves out that yeah, like that yeah I, it's not a situation you want to put yourself in on purpose and there, i bet there's a lot of older actors that are just holding their breath oh yeah oh yeah being like you, you know how many people stories there are out, you know, out there about i remember frank doing, sinatra like, or yeah, or getting high on cocaine and smacking oh, women geez. around it's like yeah the worst interview sean connor ever did was that one with barbara walters that he wishes he could take that sucker back i don't remember it that's the one where he was like he came out and, and barbara walters said like i okay. heard in an interview that you said it was all right to smack a woman just yeah well when you warn them that they've gone too far with you i have no problem with hitting a woman really and he stands by it and he's like i stand by that he's like i you know i warn them and if they don't follow the warning them. sometimes they deserve a smack i was like what the fuck dude <laughs> He really believes it, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, he that generation that really, generation. really believes that stuff. Yeah. And one, because they really believe it. And two, to justify the behavior of having done it already. I yeah. Mean, I mean, that's... You should never hit anybody. Oh, People shouldn't yeah, hit man, anybody. man. Just... That's a good standard to live by. I don't even like yelling. No. I, I like just... Okay, what's... Find the problem, I fix the problem. I don't want any aggression at all, man. At all. Yeah. So, Bobby DeChico, who... 
is a very well he hasn't done a whole lot of movies but what he does he's really recognizable and i really love him a lot in it the things i remember bobby DeChico in were night shift he had a small role in that Philadelphia Experiment, he had a big role in that. I, I loved him yeah, in Philadelphia Experiment. Splash, he was the, one of the ones that worked at, at the fruit stand on the docks with them. Uh, Maniac Cop 3 came in to do. But there's no way that I he wasn't. That uh, no, Maniac Cop 3 was good. Not as good as 2. I think 2 was the best. But there's no way he was not cast a lot for his dancing. He was a great dancer. And there was a big part of this movie that dealt with the swing dance contest. Yeah. One of my favorite things just to jump to. To... I don't know why they did this. It was such a weird, weird thing that they did. But you remember the guy that was hosting the dance-a-thon? Oh, yeah, Joe Flattery. He had a little mouse yeah, yeah. on his shoulder yeah. on a little harness. That's our guy from SCTV. Jackass. <laughs> what the hell were they doing? It was just why? random. Yeah, it and was the, very random. I'm telling you, and the person that w- was right by his side was was Laverne. That dance contest scene and the in the fight after it must have been the hardest cinematography ever done. You look at this movie when you go through it, and it is epic. You could tell yeah. that they put there's so many extras in this movie, hundreds of extras, hundreds. hundreds. And there's a 200 people in that dance hall easily. I think maybe that's a situation with like um, they put so much in it and they expected a much more maybe like how Waterworld was. Yeah. They were like they spent a hundred million on it and this is what we got. Yeah. I but I don't know. So Diana Kay, she played Bobby DeChico's girl that was in the dance scene with her. The really the only, really the blonde really girl, beautiful, very beautiful. The only thing I know she her from like is uh, Eight Is Enough. She's one of the girls. Oh really? Like uh, Dick Van Patten's daughters in Eight Is Enough. Perry Lang played his best friend. That's my best friend. He's dancing. He's dancing. Uh, he worked and at the had, diner. What about with her? her best friend? Oh, she's great. I'll talk about her in a second. Uh, she's not with us anymore. But uh, Perry Lang was an alligator. Tag the assassination game, which I recently got on DVD, and I'm telling you, man, that's a fabulous movie. Really? I forgot how great that was. We watched that a lot when we were younger. Uh, Perry Lang was also in Eight Men Out. He was in Jacob's Ladder. Jennifer Eight. I always liked him. Another great guy, that, uh, that black actor, uh, Frank McRae. Uh, oh, he was great. In the, tank. in the tank. He was so good. But people forget about a lot of the great stuff he had done. So just a list of his movies here. Uh, Rocky II, Used Cars, 48 Hours. He played the police chief. Mm-hmm. And uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. Treat me like a dog, Mr. Wally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he embarrassed my human decency, Mr. Wally. <laughs> uh, Red Dawn. Remember, he was the teacher that went outside oh, yeah. when the he Russians got, landed. He got killed in the first 30 seconds. Yeah. A lot of uh, Red Dawn talk lately. Have you noticed that they've been bringing Red Dawn a lot because of the uh, the Russian? Uh, I didn't the war really. With the I, Russia I, right I um, I don't watch news at all. Yeah, well, you're I probably it. better off. No, I that. read it. Yeah, I know all the stuff's going on, but I you I, really don't have to. I'm I don't like you. watching video. I'm telling you, from somebody for... that reads it all day on Twitter, and then I watch the news at night. You could skip the news at night. It's the same thing you read on Twitter all day long. Except someone's trying to spin it some certain yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'll read the same story, and you can put Fox News's version of yeah, that yeah. story, or even CNN's CNN, yeah. news of the it's story. It's all different, and it's all different. It's yeah. like on Twitter, I follow Al Jazeera, which is probably yep. one of the more accurate ones because they just tell also, us what it is. Um, the BBC, the Hill, the Hill does it too. BBC, BBC does BBC it. BBC coverage is great. There's a lot of good like uh, news sources you can go to. Also with Frank McRae, did Barry's Not Included, License to Kill, Lock Up, The Wizard, another 48 Hours, Loaded Weapon 1, he was great as the -the over-the-top police chief. And even in Last Action Hero, police chief, he was kind of like how Reginald Vell Johnson Mm -hmm. always played like a straight cop. Frank McRae always played like that police chief, angry police chief. Slim Pickens, 
obviously Spielberg was a huge fan of Kubrick's Doctor Strange Love mm-hmm. and Blazing Saddles, so we put him in that. Another one of my favorite Slim Pickens roles was The Howling. He was one of the old dudes. The woman you were mentioning, Wendy Jo uh, uh, Sperber, S-P-E-R-B-E-R, Sperber, yeah. She died way too young. Most people know her as the sister from Back to the Future. Yeah. Uh, but I always loved her in, uh, I loved her in Bachelor Party, and I loved her in Moving Violations. Moving Violations, she's the one that was blind no she wasn't she couldn't see very well no 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 she was the one that they put her uh, on the lift you're she thinking of the old woman who couldn't see uh very well she was just stupid they put her on the lift, lift. she yeah she misconstrued what uh our buddy uh from best in show was saying he she thought she was going to see a doctor and he worked at a uh mechanics yeah. thing and uh she she said i want you to fill that thing with oil and just take it out on the highway and she was talking about her ass hurting so she ended up lubing her ass up and running on the freeway <laughs> it was hilarious she was so funny man left us too early joe flattery who played the dance hall guy and like i said he's from sctv two surprising roles in this movie were uh david lander and michael mckeon who are lenny and squiggy yeah. who played they, in the movie they were the gunners they were on the, top of the building they were in the same gun yeah yeah it was pretty good. John Landis playing that one random role. Two random actors just as unknown soldiers in this movie, Mickey Rourke and James Caan. They just threw him in there. James Caan was in the fight sequence. He was one of the like Navy guys James that threw Conn a punch. James Caan had a name back then too, right? Yeah, he didn't have to. No, these were guys that probably... Well, Mickey Rourke, this was his first movie, probably. I think. Yeah. But James Caan had already done Godfather, so he had come in probably just to visit on the set and Spielberg was like, I'll throw hey, you in. Throw a uniform on, yep. get in there. So director, obviously Spielberg, biggest director of all time. Don't even have to mention his credits. One of my my Jaws is one of my favorite movies of all time. Munich is one of your favorite movies mm-hmm. of all time. Jaws also, I'm assuming. He uh He doesn't miss much, you know. Indiana Jones. Indiana part Jones. Four. Yeah, that's one of the misses. That was a big miss. He's up for an Oscar for West Side Story. Not my thing. Not my People thing. seem to like it, but it's not, not my thing. thing. Yeah. That's the problem with some of his movies. It's not my thing. Yeah. Some of his no, movies. And then you don't have to watch everyone's back in the day in the 80s when we were watching these movies you would watch every one of their movies like munich is a different movie than than what he normally yeah. does i don't think i've still seen warhorse and i own it I seen and it. i hear good things about it but it's probably that's the one with the medic it's the one with the horse <laughs> i can tell you that <laughs> better have a horse it's him and his horse he might be a medic also i don't know but like I said, Bob Gale was the one of the writers on this, and he was famous for, obviously, the Back to the Future movies, but he also helped write Used Cars and Weird Enough Trespass. Is uh, he still alive? Because I, I have a feeling I've seen his name on a animated series. I'm pretty writer, sure Bob Gale is still alive. Him and Zemeckis scene. are the ones who have said that they will never remake or touch Back to the Future until they're both dead. So we at least have until then that we have to worry about. John Melius. When, what if somebody wants would go out and kill him? So it's, I, yeah, I, I want another Back to the Future. <laughs> that bad? <laughs> yeah, that bad. <laughs> but make that movie about that. <laughs> John Melius, who was one of the writers in the movie, was famous for directing Conan and the Barbarian and Red Dawn, but he was also the writer. People forget he was the writer on Dirty Harry, Jeremiah Johnson, Magnum Force, Apocalypse Now, Extreme Prejudice, and Clear and Present Danger, man. So he had done... Clear and Present Danger, that's a good... That's a difficult script to write. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a lot of technical shit in there. Cinematographer, like most Spielberg movies, he doesn't have a lot of Spielberg movies on here, if any. But this cinematographer, William Fraker, here's some of the movies he was famous for actually shooting and being the uh, director of photography on. Rosemary's Baby, Bullet, Gator, Exorcist 2. Can't all be great. 
Heaven Can Wait, Hollywood Nights. I love that. No one knows about that movie. That, that's an obsessed with Obscura for sure. That's one of uh, Aunt Cheryl's favorite movies. Uh, Sharky's Machine, War Games, Protocol, Space Camp, Baby Boom, Innocent Man, The Freshman, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, Honeymoon in Vegas, hey, busy. Tombstone. Those guys are so busy. When you read off the yeah, cinematographers. Yeah, they just move one to another. Whereas an act director might take a couple years to do another movie. Yeah. Cinematographers. It's a thankless job, too. I mean, look at that list I just named. And who knows William Fraker? Nobody. Nobody, I mean, nobody knows him. And it's just, I mean, his paycheck proves what his he's good at. His bank account ought to look decent. Now, the editor is Michael Kahn. And I've got here on my list, he's he's edited almost every Spielberg movie, and he's won three Oscars for Spielberg. So the three Oscars he won were for Lincoln, Munich, and Saving Private Ryan. So, I mean, he didn't win it for 1941, but 1941's not an easy movie to edit. I mean, this is a two-and-a-half-hour... Odyssey. Odyssey. I mean, you're following probably eight different groups of people all cutting at, all in at between once. and cutting in between them and back and forth, and to keep you engaged as well as they did was phenomenal to do. Because the sequence were great. None of them were really long. Yeah, and it just moved to the next one. Like, and they were fun. They were sometimes final, like Slim Pickens in the submarine. At yeah. some point, you don't see them anymore. And then you're jumping the body. And then you're going Chico over them or... at the two in the plane that crash into the. In the La Brea tar pits. Yep. Or you're going you're on the carousel with yeah. Murray Hamilton and all them. So it's it's so much going on. Or Ned Beatty on the side of the uh, the cliff there. It was so much but stuff. it's cool because Spielberg's smart because he's like, all right, we got to get a laugh. At, at Now let's put in the cut yeah. where he's, he's saying when he's dropping the watermelon, he's like, almost there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny, those guys. And that was almost for us kids. That was As yeah. kids, that was our favorite stuff. All the stuff with the that, ventriloquist. and at the house. Yeah, with Ned Beatty. With, with the kids. Yeah. Dad, you ruined Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> now, the composer, the last crew member we're talking about here, the composer was John Williams. So, obviously, Never heard of him. Yeah, a big guy. Some of the details on the movie before I get into the trivia. Release date, December 14th, 1979. So, a very Christmas movie. And there was a Christmas element to the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't heavy, but it was decorated for Christmas. Yeah. I mean... I guess in these days, that's what they consider a Christmas movie. It was like Die Hard's a Christmas time. movie. Okay, if you want to watch it at Christmas, it tur- I ain't gonna turn it down. It took place in Christmas. Uh, the rating PG, and it would have stayed PG. Yeah, I mean there was one nude butt scene, but other than that, it was fine. A lot more racist type shit when there you go back and you watch it. That was a lot more a acceptable. Lot. Like John back Candy then. and the black and Frank dude McRae, yeah. went back and forth. There was a <laughs> famous scene where John Candy gets throws powder all over Frank McRae's face and then a huge bust of ash comes over John Candy. So basically Frank McRae looks white and John uh, looks Candy black. looks black. But the funny part was like John Candy like like wiped his finger across Frank McRae's face and showed him that he was yeah. all white and then he totally did the other thing and John Candy lost his shit. Yeah, and then Frank McRae's like, get to the back of the tank. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm little orphan Annie in Florida. Yeah, yeah. Because at one point Dan Aykroyd gets hit he gets hit in the head. In the head and has a head injury, and it isn't like he's unconscious. He turns into this like complete lunatic. Yeah, with the oranges. Yeah. And he takes he's on that... top of the of the tank going, well, over here. Yeah. <laughs> or he like slams the uh the what is the shell yeah. the, the, uh, onto the ground. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, it's yeah, gonna yeah, explode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the budget of the film, oh, filming locations was all over Oregon and California, and it, and it mm. showed. You could tell when you're watching it that that's well. What they it had the like. cliffs in the ocean. Well, yeah, and that house was a beautiful house on the cliff. And there's a trivia about that. I'll, I'll have to wait and see what it is. I'm they not really sure. Really ruined the house for that. But the budget on this. So the budget was huge. What would you guess the budget on this? In movie 1979, was? Yeah. 30 million. Very close. Very good. 35 million. 35. Now the worldwide gross 
I've already kind of ruined it and said it made money, but how much would you say it made? Thirty-five million cost worldwide. How much did it make worldwide gross? Sixty-five. Ninety-two. That's good. How Three the times. hell people are making jokes about nineteen forty one? It triples its money in nineteen seventy nine with yeah, a thirty million damn. dollar budget. I mean that's insane, really it yeah. is. All right, so the trivia here. Some really interesting well, stuff. Well, what did he do right after 1979, 1980, uh, Razor Lost Ark could have been Lost really Ark. close. Razor Lost Ark, I think, was 82. And I bet you they gave him a bigger budget than that. Oh, shit, yeah. Knowing uh, he was banking. I mean, at that point, that he him, was banking money for everybody. Yeah, it must have been Razor Lost Ark, what I would guess was probably his next flick, because it probably took a couple of years to film. Uh, so some of the trivia. Many of the events in the movie were based on real events. Specifically, the Army really did put an anti-aircraft gun in the yard of a homeowner, uh, also a false air raid over L.A. was a big thing yeah. that happened, and the Zoot Suit Riots, who it was actually known as the Zoot Suit yeah. Riots. So that was a big thing, too. Uh, another one of the major... Let me get my thing open here. Another major trivia to mention is some scenes were so noisy that a prop machine gun had to be fired in the air to indicate Spielberg was yelling cut. Would you believe it when you see the, like, in-the-street yeah. scenes? yeah, yeah. Or there's a pretty good documentary behind the scenes where they showed them filming in the streets, and it looked chaotic. It looked like, how are you going to just control all these people? It's just nuts. So another interesting thing was uh, Toshiro Mifune helped train the laid-back South Carolina Asian actors, including like whipping them in the shape so much that he was slapping them and pretending to be like their general. And Spielberg said it was amazing what he was able to do with the crew, so I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, <clears throat> the scene where Belushi fell off the side of the wing really happened and was oh, left yeah. in the film. Nice. Uh, another big thing that I saw on the, the either was an interview with Spielberg was that <clears throat> Charlton Heston and John Wayne turned down the road of Stillwell, and w- John Wayne felt it was so un- uh, patriotic that he tried to talk Spielberg out of doing the project altogether. Which is crazy. I mean, I mean, come on. It's a comedy, man. Yeah. I mean, this isn't real shit. You're not telling a true story about the war. I'll make Saving Private Ryan. We'll do that in John Wayne would be so years. proud of me if he was here watching yeah. this shit. Belushi was a no-show on several days because of his nightlife. I guess we can really see that was probably oh, the case. Yeah. They probably had that. They had action plans to shoot around him. An interesting story, too, was according to Jack Nicholson, Stanley Kubrick allegedly told Spielberg the movie was great but not funny. I disagree. I think it was great and it was funny. I don't know. How could he not see it? Maybe he just didn't have a sense of humor. Yeah. Who thinks, I mean. Who would think, you know, that he did write How I Learned to Love the Bomb. And it, that movie was really funny, but that was Peter Sellers. It was all dry humor, man. It was dry humor. And that was Peter Sellers. <clears throat> yeah. who you, Peter I mean, Sellers, you just wind him up like Robin Williams and just let him go. Yeah, just let him go. Spielberg shot over a million feet of film over 247 shooting days for this movie. What did Project Threshold have? 17? Yeah. (laughs) 247 shooting days is massive, people. I mean, that's like Lord of the Rings almost. Yeah. That's... Uh, This was the only film where Toshiro Modafuni uses his own voice when speaking English. That opening coastal scene was also used in The Goonies, which was very interesting. So it was Oregon for that opening scene. Cinematographer William Fraker was reportedly fired late in shooting due to creative differences, and then Fraker was later nominated for an Academy Award for the movie. That's a bitch really? right there, man. 
That reminds me of the like uh, Boogie Nights thing where Burt Reynolds fired his agent. He says, I can't believe you gave me this fucking film. You're going to ruin my career. And he fired his agent. And then uh, Burt Reynolds won the Oscar for it. I was like, come on, dude. You got to hire that guy back. Yeah. Or you got to give him a check. You got to cut him a check. Or at least a steak dinner or something. Buy him a Porsche. (laughs) A car or something, yeah. Although Burt Reynolds has notoriously had money problems. Yeah. (laughs) So the movie was almost made into a musical, and Spielberg later says it probably would have helped the film. But I don't know if I would have said that. But, I mean, he got West Side Story, so that's kind of his thing. He got to do his musical. All right, so let's work into this movie, just like the plot a little bit uh, and uh, talk about what's actually happening in it. All right, like I said, the the opening is very reminiscent of Jaws for the first couple seconds, at least. And first minute. It establishes the fact that there is a Japanese submarine right off the coast of like the North Pacific. Yeah, there. doing. I think it was just basically doing reconnaissance. Yeah, I don't think it was supposed to engage any of us. The real interesting part of that is that they had a German soldier on the boat with them. Yeah. So Which, you think that ever would have happened? Yeah. A million years? Really? Yeah. Wow. That did happen then? There were moments where that was like... Uh... In very small gatherings, there yeah. was, because the Germans needed Japan. So think of what the timeline was. World War II was already raging. Yeah. 1941. Yeah, yeah. Because it started, what, 37, 38? Uh, Even... Like 39. Yeah, okay. So they were... They weren't gaining ground as much as they could, and and the threat of the U.S. entering over there was so big that they they made a deal with the Japanese. You attack the United States, yeah, it'll force them to defend themselves on a different continent, on off a different coast. It's probably the best thing, uh, or the trickiest thing Hitler ever tricked the Japanese into doing. Basically, I mean, tricked. I guess is a weird word because they were probably all for it. But they were probably all for it because they wanted they they wanted a reason it invade china yeah so they could get more land yeah and they were they were beating the chinese which is what's different with our current situation is i'm not sure how many people <clears throat> are going to be following russia down this path. you know what i really like i like the fact that russian television is using tucker carlson oh yeah, clips. yeah, yeah. that's hilarious that should piss off i would Fox show that News as more my, than yeah i would have that as my campaign I mean, like look you are russian propaganda now it's yeah it's ridiculous and it hurts trump too. yeah yeah so. Which is good. Anything that hurts Trump. If you listen to our podcast and you like Trump, Sorry. feel free to turn it off. <laughs> yeah, feel free to turn it off. It's not for you. Uh, so there was a lot of great military stuff in this, you know? Oh, yeah. it, it was really good how they were... And how many, other than maybe Doctor Strangelove, how many war comedies were there back in the and during this time? And Probably not on a scale, apart, too. It always impresses me with period pieces, but... The wardrobe department for this movie must oh, have been ridiculous. The cars, At, the, the, like the, props the wardrobe and, for sure. I agree with that. Like wardrobe, because you had you needed hundreds of people in in dress uniforms. Yep. Plus all the girls that were hanging out and the zoot plus suits. All the people that yeah, the zoot suits plus everybody in the town. Yep. They really mean, you got to. That's where half this money goes. I would imagine in these types of movies, props, wardrobes, and production design. Produ- uh, Yes, building stages, houses, uh, just everything, man. It seems like it's it's a whole it's lot. It's weird because nowadays you get a star, you got to pay him twenty million dollars. Back yeah. then, it wasn't a, it was a fraction of what no. the total budget. was. I don't even know who the biggest. That would have been an interesting trivia right there. Who was paid the most? For who was paid the most? Let me see. Maybe John Belushi or John or John Robert Stack. No, you don't think Robert Stack? I think they could have replaced him? his character with 
six yeah, other but guys that it, were just like him. I don't think it says. Uh, I think it's. Uh, but, yeah, but remember, he couldn't. He went for John Wayne and Heston first, and they couldn't get them, and he went got Robert. There's still Stack. ten other guys behind him. That you I don't can... think they, he was required more of a salary than the rest of those guys, though, at how big he was. I don't know. Think of Belushi in 1979. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure Bellucci got much money for anything. You don't think so? Yeah. I mean, they certainly weren't in the million dollars, any of them. No, 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 no. In that, in Just whoever made the most money, because I, I can't think of, thinking through the rest of the casts, the ones that would have commanded that much salary didn't have... We mentioned before, the scenes. those crazy salaries did not happen until Cannon offered uh, Stallone so much money for Over the Top. That's really when it started, when people were getting astronomical figures. And if you're an actor that had got astronomical paychecks and everything, you should thank Cannon and Stallone. Well, I mean, it's, that's the same, it. it's the same thing now with uh, NFL players and yeah. basketball players. I think it's almost going backwards, though, with actors now. I think they're more they're happier to take less of a, a, a if paycheck they like if they like the project yeah. and they want to be part of it or just put I mean, me as an executive producer. Yeah, and got, make your money on the back end. Yeah, that's probably a smart idea. So basically, the first half hour of the movie is just establishing these different gr- groups. You got Danny uh, or uh, Bobby DeChico, who the works. The boy that wants to date the girl, and then the, he has to kind of fight the bad boy for her. Yeah, and he's practicing his dance moves at the diner, and it establishes the, kind of the, the animosity between him and Treat Williams that kind of carries through the whole movie. He doesn't like eggs. He doesn't like eggs. That sequence in the diner, that must have been a nightmare to film because he's dancing the whole time. Yeah, in making, the back. Making yeah. the uh, breakfast and washing the dishes. I guess if if you think that's a nightmare, just wait until the uh, the swing contest scene because that's uh, officially a major nightmare. So let's just talk of the groups of people. So we got the group of people in the tank, which includes Dan Aykroyd, John Candy, Frank McRae, Treat Williams, uh, those are the main guys. You have Bobby DeChico and Perry Lang, who were dating uh, the girl from um, um, Eight is Enough. And then her best friend was Wendy Joe, who's obsessed with Treat Williams through the whole movie. But then you've got Ned Beatty. <laughs> who, who, by the way, wants to shoot this kid with a shotgun. Which one? Bobby DeChico. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It is kind of crazy. <laughs> like, he literally looks like he's trying to, to find him. Yeah. But... Uh, You've also got uh, John Bellucci is kind of on his own, but he interacts with the group at different times. He does interact with Warren Oates during that one he, sequence. But he you, started the whole thing. He's the one that he saw the sub. Yeah. And he tried to tell people that he saw the sub. Yeah. And that so, sort of put everybody on high alert. Well, that's the thing, too, is the communications between every group was so bad because it was... 1941. I mean, you did not have cell phones. You did not have internet. It was all word of mouth. Oh, we heard there was a tank here, or we heard there's a submarine here. And as far as the timeline of the movie goes, Pearl Harbor had already happened. Yeah, 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 for so sure. So they are waiting. When, when are they going to attack the mainland? Yeah. Where are they going to attack the mainland? Yeah. Well, that the whole Asian coast... scare was like high, and everyone's kind of conscious that we could be attacked any minute by the Japanese. That's why our Navy out. sailed out after them so that we could be like the line of blockade yeah and all the fighting would occur on those little islands where all out in the pacific so the ned Beatty stuff was really interesting too because like i said they had brought a huge anti-aircraft gun to his house because his house overlooked great house too i don't know what ned Beatty did in the movie uh but he it's a 40 million dollar house yeah and it's on stilts and it's on overlooks the entire water so it was perfectly set and that's what they had said they gave him instructions on how to use the gun (laughs) they they shouldn't have given him the 
under any circumstances, don't load this magazine yeah, yeah. into this thing and do not pull this lever back. That's just that <laughs> legal uh, jargon that they had to keep themselves safe. But it was the scene where Ned Beatty actually had to shoot the gun later on was one of my favorite scenes. He says, I don't think you're going to hit it, Ward. <laughs> when he's, he's not Did aiming I get him? right. Close. He's looking at where the guns pointed and where the uh, John where Christian the, used the to cross quote eyes. This movie cross all the time. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. this is great. So, what other groups are we missing here? We've got the well, group. you had Slim Pickens early on. He gets he works for a Christmas tree shop. Yeah, that called Hollywood. The Japanese Hollywood. get lost because they yeah. have problems with their compass. They have no compass. They have no compass. So they go on land, and there's a great deleted scene if you watch the director's cut of this mm-hmm. with the Japanese guys oh, yeah. are disguised yeah, as Christmas trees. As Christmas trees. And there was a great scene where Slim Pickens, they're standing straight still. He's and one of them drunk. One of them's shaking because he knows he's got an axe in his hand, and he just lets himself fall before yeah. Slim Pickens actually. Slim Pickens just. He's giant. like, well, what do you know about that? He just, he came upon, and he's like, well, look at these beauties. He was going to just chop them down and sell them as his own Christmas trees on someone's property. Yeah. But one of them was smoking. Yeah, one of them smoking. In the tree. And then one of them fell down on his yeah. own before he could get hit. Just so many great little comic things. And then they end up kidnapping him. They bring him yeah. to the Japanese And they were sub. they were doing an inventory. And they One actually, jackknife, one ra- genuine rabbit's foot. There was a, uh, and they find a Cracker Jack yeah. box mm-hmm. and just happen to find a compass in there which is well, crazy slim bickens knows what's going on and he's they're trying to blow find up out. John Wayne's house. they're trying to find out where hollywood is which leads to a great comical scene because slim pickens name is hollis wood so they were like hollywood he's and they're like where and he's like here no he's like no where he says here you're looking at him you're talking to him and then they actually point to the map and he's like oh you want to know where hollywood is and he's about to tell him and he's like oh i see you want to bomb john wayne's house don't you <laughs> so when the when they find the compass slim pickens grabs it and eats it yeah so then they want to like uh make him shit it out it's just a whole funny ass sequence with that hold him down and pour prune juice down his throat <laughs> yeah. but the greatest thing is is like he's getting ready to do it pretend he's taking a dump so he goes in the bathroom and he takes his shoes off and he throws them in the toilet yeah and they're outside going oh they get out they, so they when they run in there he makes a daring escape yep and jumps out and then I don't know. We never see what happens to him. He yeah. gets off the boat and he's like, where the hell is the shore? Yeah. And then that's the last we see of him. But the um, the Ferris wheel part, which was great too. And this must have been something that people had heard them doing. So what they did was they were constantly on guard of when the Japanese were going to attack. So they stuck these two guys who barely knew each other. One of them knew knew the other guy and he knew he was annoying and he didn't want to be stuck up there. And he's like, no, this will be good. You'll, you'll, we'll, I'll be back in the morning and we'll pick you up. So they put him on top of the Ferris wheel and move the Ferris wheel to the very top. And they're just overlooking the entire bay there. And uh, they have uh, rifles. Mm-hmm. And they have a uh, um, a walkie-talkie. So if you see anything, call it no, in. Yeah, phone, the lo- phone line was swung all the way up there. Yeah. So they could make a phone call when they saw something or they could shoot at something. And we kept jumping back to him. Eddie Deason had a ventriloquist dummy that looked right just away, like though. him no his and reveal was, was awesome yeah the reveal was was uh murray hamilton was had a problem with heights so yeah. he kept 
giving Eddie shit for mentioning heights. He's like, don't mention heights. I don't want to hear another word about heights. And then all of a sudden, the ventriloquist dummy's head popped out of a bag yeah. and turned his head, and Murray Hamilton's cigarette <laughs> fell out of his mouth. And the ventriloquist, and obviously Eddie Deason wasn't doing the voice, so it was done perfectly ventriloquist style. He was like, ah, afraid of heights, huh? Me too. <laughs> and he was just, he was just funny at at different parts of the movie, he was delivering lines like Eddie Deason normally would. Like, yep. oh my God, look, it's a Jap sub, guys. <laughs> really, really funny. The dummy's right. <laughs> the dummy's right. <laughs> then they accidentally shoot down John Belushi's plane. Yeah. He's yep. like, I think that was one of ours. And then that plane landed right in the uh, middle of the, the town. And Lenny man. and Squiggy thought they shot it down too. Yeah, they had a whole bunch of different uh, stuff that had happened in the city when uh, we didn't even mention the Tim Matheson, Nancy Allen scene. Yeah, they crashed in the little... Tim Matheson was like, he was a pilot, but he wasn't a really great pilot. And Nancy Allen was uh, like obsessed she with planes. She had a f- weird fetish. She had a weird fetish for planes and pilots. So once he revealed, oh, I can fly these big ones, he takes her up in one just basically to get laid. Yeah. And th- they do. They end up screwing around, and but things get bad, and they have to end up going down in the La Brea tower pits, which was hilarious. They, they got shot down by Squiggy and Lenny or something. Like. Yeah, that might have been them who shot that down. And... Then, uh, obviously, the big scene in the swing contest, which was so amazing, man. I have the LP for this, and I the beginning of the second side, the very first song on the I second mean, that side. is the most famous swing dancing song. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the, uh, I don't know who does it. The Sisters, I think, is did it. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. I mean, they got... I'm not sure... Bobby DeChico did a lot of it, but I'm not sure he did, like, the scene where he ran up the wall and went was so great man he did a backflip off the table as they're doing one of those houdini things oh, with, with the, the uh with the yeah. sheet and everything it was just an awesome scene that it was in the middle of the movie and then that dance sequence worked into one of the biggest brawls ever that spilled out into the streets and that's when the tank with dan Aykroyd had to come in and they had to kind of get shit in order and that's when Dan Aykroyd was knocked completely out and Bobby DeChico had stolen a uniform to get into the swing contest mm-hmm. because it was only officers allowed inside so when he came outside he realized oh shit I've got stripes on my shoulder and then when Dan Aykroyd got knocked out they were like you gotta take over so he ends up taking over the tank and ride with those guys and he says what do you, what do you think we should do you're the one with the stripes and he's like and uh, Dan Aykroyd had right before he passed out for the first time yeah. says you gotta knock out those lights kid and that's what they did they just started shooting on the streets how many things were fired it makes sense that he would have had to use a machine gun to to say cut because there's just so much shooting and firing and it's just movie. people making noise i mean it looks like an expensive movie when you rewatch it it, it I mean, really think does about, like an expensive movie you gotta think of the time period think of how much 30 million dollars is in 1979 yeah i wonder what what's another huge movie around 79 like apocalypse now apocalypse like now is i think Wars budget Ah, oh, that's you'd have to Google that. Seventy-seven for Star Wars. I'm not sure that in Apocalypse Now. Backs, that's eighty. So that was around close to the same thing. It's got to be big. It's got to be at least thirty-five million. I would imagine. Yeah, look that up while I talk about another sequence okay. here. So we've got uh, what else is going on at this time period after the. Um, oh, that's where Stillwell. Remember, there's a great scene where Stillwell is in. The movie theater watching Dumbo crying <laughs> at Dumbo. And when he gets out, that he realizes actually he gets someone comes into the theater and says, There's fighting in the streets. You should come out. So he comes out. And that's just when John Bellucci lands. He comes up to him and he says, Hey, I saw a Jap sub. I shot it. I'm not sure if I uh if I took it out, but I definitely shot it. And 
then they're aware the sub is around, and that's where everyone's at, like, heightened, heightened alert. What did you think the budget was for Empire Strikes Back? I was thinking it was at least $30 million, right? 30.5. 30.5. This budget for 1941 was more than Empire Five Strikes Back. Bu- $5 million more. That's crazy. Well, guess how much this one did at the box office. Oh, yeah, the Worldwide Gross. What's the Worldwide Gross yeah. Empire Strikes Back? $549 million. Wow. $545 million. Back in 1980. <laughs> $49 million. Back in 80, and that probably that might have included the re-release that happened a couple years later, but still, that's insane that that made that much money. Yeah, that's crazy. That's why there's that's why such there's a, a huge franchise as it is right now. Yeah, that's you know? what, why Disney owns it now. What's your favorite kind of sequence when you think 1941? My favorite sequence when I think of Like, I almost always go to the swing contest because you can play it from the swing contest on, yeah. and it goes right into some really good stuff. But I, I, I love it from the beginning. There really is so many different parts to this film. I have too many. Yeah, there is really a, a whole lot. I remember watching this movie at uh, that apartment complex, La Mancha, mm-hmm. with, uh, with Jose. We watched it, and he, he just... I, it's great when you can watch a movie with somebody for the first time and they're so animated okay. and so excited yeah. and so laugh e. at T. stuff. never heard of it. Yeah, like <laughs> laugh at scenes that you've laughed at for like for already 15 years and everything. And then hearing him quote stuff like that was hilarious. Hey, hey look, it's a baby wolf. I mean, <laughs> come on, man. That's hilarious right there. Half of our conversations were movie quotes. Oh, yeah. He was a big movie guy. Uh, like, and he loved quoting him. If, if Weird we science. If we did 10 a day, I was like... I was like, do you know that girl out there? He's like, what girl? You mean the one with the big titties? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Weird Science was one yeah, of his he friends. Would qu- he would quote that every day. Uh, he loved it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I love 1941, man. There was so much action and just chaos in the movie. So much chaos. And all the way down to, to the end where the... Um, the Japanese fire on the Ferris wheel because the kid, remember he's the kids trying to get him down from the Ferris wheel at the guy at Ned Beatty's house is like, Oh damn, I left two guys on the Ferris wheel. You got to go get him down. So he sends one of his kids out there, one of Ned Beatty's kids to let him down. He done it <clears throat> and he accidentally turned on all the lights and the music for the, so uh, the for the whole, yeah. uh, uh, the amusement park. So the Japanese was like, Oh God, that's Hollywood. Yeah. That's Hollywood right there. City lights, man. So they were like, Fire on that, so they fired at the Ferris wheel, which I'm assuming this was done with miniatures. Is the only way they yeah, could have done this. And miniatures were obviously a big miniatures. thing. So they showed the Ferris wheel got shot off at the brackets, and it just perfectly went down as like this wonder wheel type thing. On a wooden pier. On a wooden pier, and then sank. I guess it would be that deep, possibly, but that's a big-ass Ferris wheel. I mean, this Ferris wheel was probably 200 feet up. But I mean, it's the Pacific Depends Ocean. How far the pier Pacific goes Ocean, out. I guess. So it 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 fell, and you even see everyone. I don't think anyone died in the movie. I don't think they Lots showed. Of should have. Yeah, I think that's what made it kind of comical. Like it, it's no, a Looney Tunes version. Someone died in this movie. Who? The German guy. The German guy. He gets thrown off the thing. I don't even show that you should see. They I don't think if they show the him and then he die. starts singing. Free design or something like that. Yeah, but I don't think we see him die. I think we just see him go into the water. I think they, they didn't shoot him and push him in the water. I don't think so. Okay, but I'm pretty sure no one died in it. They kind of took it like it was a Looney Tunes movie, you know, or like old school GI Joe. You see people parachuting, but you don't actually see anyone dying, <laughs> type of situation. But it went all the way down to that whole last sequence where almost everybody from the movie was on the. Uh, 
on the front lawn of Ned Beatty's mm-hmm. house. And Ned Beatty's house has been destroyed. He has fired the gun inside the house. The second floor of the house went down to the first floor. It's just a shell, basically. And our, the great scene where Ned Beatty is like, I think we've come closer as Americans and as people. And, and I, for one, want to celebrate the Christmas season by putting this wreath on the front door. And he yeah. puts the thing on the front door and the entire house slides off the slab over the cliff and into the water. And, and that's how it ends there. Everyone's like, uh, some of them are laughing. Some of them are celebrating. Some of them are like distraught. But I, I remember them saying, I think 1942 is going to be the big year for the war. <laughs> I wonder if that was like a setup for a sequel. <laughs> but no, it did not. That I, another part that was really funny is so those dudes were on that Ferris wheel while it was going down the pier. Yeah. So they went in the water with the Ferris wheel. Yeah, yeah. Remember they all... He all popped, popped up. up, even the dummy. Yeah, and, and he, then he's like, "I want to do that again." <laughs> you want to do that again? Huh? And he's like <laughs> choking him and the dummy. We used to do that. There was so much stuff we quoted as little kids with this. I remember being in like our aunt's pool and doing kind of that scene with Matt, being like, "You want to do it again? You want to do it again?" And then pretend choking Matt and everything, and we would just laugh. And we thought it was hilarious, man. Dude, dude, there was a. You want to hear a Christian story? Sure, Christian school story that has Absolutely. nothing to do with this, but it reminded me of it. <laughs> Um, remember Tim, the really tall guy that bas- played basketball? Yeah. He, he one day was hanging out in a group of people. And I'll give you the backstory first. He had a nephew that went to the church. And the nephew used to grab, he'd put his hands around his ankles. And then Tim would grab both of them and spin them around in a oh, circle. Wow. Super fast, right? And I had seen him done it several times. But one day during school, after church, he uh, he's talking with all his friends and his little cousin comes over and bends down in front of him and says, do me again, <laughs> Bill, do me again. <laughs> and everybody's like, what, what the, the hell is going on here? <laughs> he had to do it to show him. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> let me do it first. <laughs> but that like, line we, made me think of that. We got to call that a name. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're going to jump to some commentary here. And this is almost, you could almost commentary any point in this movie. So I'm just jumping It's forward. a long movie, too. You forget it, that. Yeah, it's like two two hours and 30 minutes uh, or 225. We're jumping to like an hour and 42 minutes and four seconds in, where it's right when Dan Aykroyd is is about to pass out and Bobby Chico has to take over and everything. <laughs> and uh, if you want to join us, jump to that sequence and we're just going to watch a little bit of it and kind of commentate what's going on and seeing a lot of these great actors. John Candy, I mean, he had done probably Stripes. No, probably not even Stripes. I think this was before Stripes. I'm pretty sure Stripes was 80 or 81. So he probably would... There was several SEC guys on this, uh, SETV guys. You got Joe Flattery and John Candy. Dan Aykroyd was obviously <laughs> Saturday Night Live. So yeah, so they're in the middle of, I mean, what street is this? It's got to be one of the main like, boulevard, one of the main boulevards in LA. It's not in Hollywood, so is it Hollywood, though? Or LA. It is might it have LA? been LA. Well, LA is Hollywood. Yeah, I guess. I guess Hollywood. Is Hollywood an actual place, though, or is it more like a kind of area? It's, it's an area, but it's a big area. So they, yeah, the... The planes, obviously, when they're going through, are probably also miniatures that they're going through this area. They so, did it well enough, though. They definitely did it well enough. So we have uh, John Pellucci is in his friggin' plane, and Tim Matheson and Nancy uh, Allen are like going straight at him, man. He got a shot off that hit the windshield. He, he did. Said leaning t- out of the cockpit of a... 
And it puts him down, I think, too. Not that one. I think he there's another shot that Tim Matheson hits him with, or it could have been the Lenny and Squiggy one. So, John Pellucci, it's, I love how he looks at it like he's been shocked that he's been shot. Oh, my God, I've been Which hit. It's the first time he's ever <laughs> taken like he's it. the first time he's ever he's taken a, crack, a shot. He's a crazy pilot. This is war. It's really a great kind of role for John Bellucci because he's just a madman. He's really bumbling, too, though. Yeah. So from that scene, we're jumping to the anti-aircraft uh, anti gun that's in Ned Beatty's kind of yard. And there's some fast edits here, man. I mean, we're jumping from the Bellucci stuff to the Ned Beatty stuff to the uh, Japanese sub stuff. And this is what Bellucci totally just lets out like a barrage of fire. And this is what puts Tim Matheson's plane into the La Brea Tar Pits. Nobody's... That's a good place to visit, too, the La Brea Tar Pits. This is the first time I had any knowledge of La Brea Tar Pits. Have you been I to think... L.A. before? No. Just San Francisco is my only expensive. Uh, California kind of thing. It's expensive? Yeah. And now and you can drive everywhere now. You have to... No, you take Uber everywhere. Well, now even fun. that's pricier. They've ramped up We must prices. have taken 30 Ubers. Yeah. No, we did that in San Francisco, so San Francisco. So yeah, Nancy Allen and man, they're lucky they didn't blow up because this their plane is completely engulfed and it's going down and she still will not let leave him alone. She just covered his eyes and they go straight down into the tar pits. They would not live. No, they wouldn't live. They've already would have died yeah. in the flyer. The the crash takes out the wings. It's funny how the miscommunication is basically the whole movie. Yeah. You know, John Bellucci really thinks he took down a Jap sub, and it was a very was a unidentified... Right uh, dinosaur. Yeah. So they open the door of the plane, and they're in the tar pits, and if you've been to the tar pits, they have, like, dinosaur statues there. So they open it and see the statues looking right down at them. But what's interesting is because they that was the problem with Tim Matheson's uh, airplane there. It was very unmarked. They got it from uh, Colonel Maddox, and there's no plane in it. Uh, no a plane in it. There's no radio in it. Yeah. He's like, I don't want to get shot out of the sky. I need a radio. And then Maddox is like, don't worry. I'll call. I'll use my radio and call and tell them who you are. And But right when he takes off, the tower goes yeah. down. And so there was no communication. So they don't know and who. And the guy, the guy doing the radio is, uh, is a character actor. I can see his face. Yeah, he was in uh, Weekend at Bernie's. He was yeah, the priest Weekend that was, he was, the yep, priest he was, that one was of the trying to uh, kill Bernie. Yep. That very Italian-looking guy with the with the big bulgy eyes. It was really great. So, yep, now John Bellucci's plane is going down because everyone is shooting at him now. Yep. Now Ned Beatty is at his home with his kids and his wife who just want to celebrate Christmas. It's like Christmas Eve, man. And the guy's like, well, the military gave me a gun. You know, it's about high time I use it. So they drag it out. The kids love it, man. They're like, the yeah, let's do it. Pots and pans on their head. They look like they had a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're on the top of the Ferris wheel with our such a great team to put together, man. Yeah. <laughs> Where the, the dummy loses his shit. It's so weird when you look at it because they almost gave him his own autonomous they did, personality. Eddie looking over at him didn't know what he was going to say. Yeah, it's like no <laughs> one was controlling him even though we kind of got the idea that Eddie Deason was supposed to be controlling him. Uh, so that's what screws it up because they were about to make the phone call in that they see the Jap sub but when Eddie Deason goes for the phone it falls to the ground. That was the bad, the worst part of the Ferris wheel thing is they had no way of getting down. If they had a way to get down it might have been a little easier for them because it is a good area to spot. 
Christopher Lee, man, he brought a lot of credibility to this movie. People forget how many like Hammer films he had done at this point. I mean, he was uber famous when he got hired to do this film. It, how crazy is it that that's how they have to identify the the planes in this? Is he has that chart. big chart and he says he says that's a Nakasaki so and so if or I'm a monkey's uncle, you know? And so they were pretty sure that the uh, that the plane they're about to hit, which is John Bellucci's. It's a tomahawk, I think, that John Bellucci is flying. And Murray knows it pretty soon after they shoot it. After he shoots it, catches on fire, Eddie Deason's like super thrilled that this thing is going down. He's like, ah, look at it burn. And it goes straight down across the bay, and it's going to go into the city streets. But right after it happens, Murray Hamilton's like, I think that's ours. Yeah, he says, oh, that's a P-40 tomahawk. He's like, that was one of ours. Oh, how many times does that happen, you think? A lot more than you think, yeah, yeah. Especially at night. How many times is it like ignored Nowadays or it people? Happen. No, probably not as much now. But I wonder how many people just deny it or just say, yeah. "Oh, I mean, just the same thing with friendly fire." Friendly fire. Who was that I mean, dude that got uh, killed? The play it was a linebacker for like yeah, Kansas Pat City Tilson. or something. Pat, Pat Tillman? Till- Tillman? Tillman. Tillman. Pat Tillman. Yeah, own people killed. They him. covered that shit up for years when it came out. It was, a and, and we forget fire. about this. It very, was almost a rape scene. I was thinking very about this rapey earlier. scene very with rapey. Uh, with Treat Williams is obsessed with the girl from Eight Is Enough, which was Bobby Chico's girlfriend, to the point where he is like physically holding her down and chasing her through the streets, like. Uh, what the hell was he going to do if he caught her here? It, it, it's very rapey. Like, the asshole soldier. I mean, he's who is, got her over his shoulder. Yeah, he takes her, her over the shoulder and he's carrying her away like he was actually going to, like, rape her in the alley or something. I mean, he's kissing her in the streets. He's, he definitely is sexually assaulting yeah, her. Yeah, he's sexually assaulting her in the streets. And Bobby DeChico sees that his girlfriend's in trouble and just says, bring the tank that way. And then he goes down and... <laughs> She's being drugged. I mean, she's getting hunted. slid off camera like something major is going to happen. Oh, this is one of the best hits, though. When he hits him in the face oh, with this, uh, what is like, that? I can't beat you in a fair fight. What is the uh, the bullets when they're in a string like that? They call them something? Or, you know, the bullets that you're feeding into a big fifty cal all come in like a belt. string? It's a belt, they mm-hmm. call that. Mm-hmm. So he has his hand like wrapped around a belt of weapons. And th- this would never happen, but he hits them so hard that one of them goes off. And uh, kicks him in the nuts, slaps him in the face with that belt of weapons. Actually, one of them fires, and then he falls straight down. And now she tries to rape him. <laughs> and then falls down into Wendy Joe's arms. Get a taste of your own medicine, huh? And yeah, she's just leaving. The girl from Man is Enough is just leaving. And man, that tank, man, is just plowing over stuff. That's pretty... The military definitely had a lot to do with this movie if they were going to oh, yeah. lend them all these vehicles. I mean, if you're Spielberg, you'd already done Jaws. Jaws, at this point, was the biggest Keeping movie all ever that made. smoke moving and... Oh, it's a it's a horror show, and that's why it, it doesn't amaze me that the cinematographer on this had done so many big stuff because it looks like it. They really piped the fog in. It looks like a nightmare, you know? I mean, I, they You know what I'm just remembering? What's the that? speech that Ned Beatty gave her when she... He, she, she was going to go to the dance. Oh, what was it? it? She thought it was like, don't let them put your put your hands on her. But it was more like, you do your part and keep our boys happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, remember, she was like, had a crazy look on her face. Yeah, like, like, what are you asking me to do, <laughs> Dad? <laughs> oh, this is great. When John Bellucci is falling down, they cut to every character's face as their eyes and their mouths are getting bigger as they can't believe that it's coming towards them. It's very comical. And even at least they didn't have a pigeon doing a double take. That's for James. That's true. Oh god, that would have been perfect for this movie, to be honest with you. 
very lighthearted. You know, this was to the point where you would consider this movie very silly, not like airplane or naked gun no, silly, kind of silly. Because there is some really realistic shit done here, but the it is very Roadrunner esque. You know, this is one of my favorite scenes too. So John Belushi has totally <laughs> crashed, and he's in the middle of the street. And he's super confused because he's got a head injury. So he goes out onto the wing. I mean, he's only like a foot above the ground. Yeah. And he pulls his ripcord yeah. and jumps down well, and one says, of the Geronimo. Other guys, he's going to jump. The girl I think he's going to jump. <laughs> and I love how the, uh, the ripcord, like the parachute pulls him like off his feet. Oh, remember, the uh, he falls to the ground and the big Santa statue falls on top of him. Oh, yeah. So it's like like a 30-foot Uncle Sam Santa statue. And it falls on him so perfectly that it, the body looks like it's John Bellucci's body and its head is like right at the top of there. And this is when he kind of goes nuts and has to tell them what the hell is going on, which is completely wrong. I mean, he says he took down a Jap plane over the La Brea Tar Pits. Not true. Tim Mathis' plane. But it was plane. a Jap sub. The Jap sub was true. He says, yep, there's a Jap sub. We're Japanese sub, I guess. Let's see, watching these old movies, we kind of yeah, go into that. We go into that. Uh, what would be considered racial even, slander? Yeah. I see, and I didn't even think of it, but yeah, you yeah, can't you can't really anymore. say Jap. We're reading subtitles. Yeah, right. we're reading subtitles. That's the only reason we <laughs> said it. <laughs> but yeah, it that goes with any movie, man. You you go back and you lo- yeah. watch any of the and old still movies. Of, some of the things you don't even have to go back that far. It's true. It's true. It really is probably in the early 2000s they're still saying it. And it depending well, on what... I was listening to... This is off topic too, but I was listening to Funky Comedina. Yeah. If you listen to those lyrics, he talks about transgender. He, one of the girls tricked him with being a transgender. And he says, I don't mess around with... This is the 90s and I don't mess around with wieners or something. Like oh, he yeah, makes yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. He makes I a real like, point to call out. He doesn't... He's not down with that shit. Yeah. And we all thought that was hilarious back yeah, in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we... You, that might have been the time you ever heard that there were transvestites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was from that song or something. You didn't know that stuff. You would then. never recognize John Landis back there. You know, I don't recognize John Landis without his beard. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how often or how when he got his beard, but uh, at some point he did, and I don't think he ever got rid of it, too. So yeah, General Stillwell is now outside the Dumbo premiere, <laughs> yeah. and every character of the movie that we've just seen yeah. is like running past him, and, and he's, he's doing at, like a running commentary. He's like, on "Who him. is that guy? Oh, soldier, sir, corporal, and that person." And they're just trying to tell him who that is. I love when Bellucci comes up to him and he's like, that, "There goes the craziest son of bitch I ever saw." I love uh, Robert Stack's voice; it's so great. It's one of the people wonder how he could do this movie, even though he plays it completely serious, like he would be as a general. If you really want a, that argument, go to Caddyshack too, <laughs> because Caddyshack too is one of the ones that I still can't believe that Robert Stack agreed to do Caddyshack too. They must have paid him. Yeah, they must have paid him. And I mean, comedy's comedy if you're doing it for your. And a lot of people do things for their kids or their loved ones, and or stuff like that. And people don't take that into consideration. They should have called it something else. This movie, nineteen no. out of the nineteen forty one, or what? Caddyshack, Caddyshack two? two. Yeah, they should have just named it somebody else because it wasn't. There was only like bit parts. Couldn't use Ty Webb without yeah. it though. I mean, you would still do the same movie and just name it something else, yeah. or yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It didn't carry over well for that for sure. So yeah, so this is what's is. It takes us in the latter half half of the movie here, but 
we'll stop it there. It's, it's a great movie, man. We literally commentate the whole thing because there's something exciting happening at every turn here. So if you haven't seen 1941, I suggest check it out. If you've heard, oh my God, that's one of Spielberg's worst movies. It's not true. Not true. I could pick five, ten other Spielberg movies that I would completely Rage avoid. Rage Lost Ark 4. Yes. Crystal Skull. <laughs> Crystal skip, Skull. Skip Crystal Skull. Uh, skip West Side Story. Unless I tell you what, if you watch movie. this movie, I'll watch Crystal Skull again. Yeah, yeah. Let's just send us we'll an trade. email. Just say, yeah, I watched it. You got to watch Crystal Skull. I watch, even if I got to watch it 20 times in a row. Have you watched it since we saw it in the theater? Uh, no. No, I haven't either. No. In most movies, I will go back and I will check and out. And try to give it a second Give it a chance. second chance. I can't. I don't, the, the funny thing is, is I'm very, very particular about movies I'll watch. Yeah. Because I don't have a, a lot of time. A lot of time. So, when I say, oh, I'm going to watch that when that comes out or comes available, I already know it's going to be a good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I already know. I've already read. I, I, don't, I haven't read spoilers necessarily, but... Or if Tarantino comes out with a movie. Yeah, if Tarantino or comes out. He's one the of Coen the Coen brothers come out with a movie. Or or some of my other dudes yeah, that I like. Yeah, Spielberg's one of my favorite directors, but I don't necessarily no. will go see Mm-mm. any movie. Like, I won't see West Side Story. No, I won't see West Side Story. I can't sit through a musical. I can't do it. If it's your thing, it. then you, you got, you're in There's good shape. F- there's a couple I could. I think the Pirates of Penzance with Bob Hope. Even no, uh, the Pirates of the Pirate. But that wasn't a. That, that wasn't, wasn't a musical. A musical, okay. no. You're thinking maybe the Pirate movie with Christy McNichol was a was one. Okay. Uh, Pirates of Penzance was also one. But yeah, the, other than the Demon Street, uh, I always call it the Demon Street, but it's actually like oh, Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd's one of the best. But yeah, I just can't do it. But like you said, if Quentin's coming out, I don't give a shit. What Quentin's doing, I'm yeah. watching. And same and with the Coen brothers. Yep, same with the Coen brothers. Uh, I'll, I'll watch it because... I, I think I have a better chance of the Coen brothers me- movie being one of my favorites than I do with Tarantino. Really? I think every, I mean, I almost like every Tarantino, Tarantino stuff, movie is one but of my like, favorites. The, uh, the one in the cabin, what was it, The Hateful Eight? I like it even more than I go back and watch it, though. I, I liked it. I, watch it again, I bet you'll like it I've even more. I've seen it three or four times. Yeah. So, I like it, but... I it, have a... Uh, it, it wasn't my favorite. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is coming to me on 4K sometime in the next couple days, and I can't wait to rewatch it. That's, That's one of the movies that I, I like more and more and more every time I watch it. I've only watched it probably three times. But I saw it every twice. time you saw it twice in the theater, I saw it once in the theater, but I've seen it twice on Blu ray. I haven't seen but it. But now that the since. 4K is coming out, I'm going to watch it again, and I just love it so much, man. It's just so much going on there, and it's such a, he shows such a unique take on different things that you didn't think you needed a movie about and that's what's uh, great about that that's why i loved about pt anderson for a, a, a lot of times there you, you don't think you're wanting to see that uh, for a movie like uh, there will be blood or boogie nights until you're watching it and you're like this movie is fabulous. you know what the s- shitty part is is that movie i read more about reviews from that movie about the the um which martial movie? arts which movie once upon a time in hollywood oh about the bruce lee's yeah, bullshit that's yeah. that was Three quarters of all the talk out there. Yeah, it's stupid because I bet he did not think in a million years that's what the discussion yeah, would he be. He thought it's like this is fake. Everything I'm doing is fake. I mean, look at the Charles Manson of, dies in this. I movie. mean, look at look at no, he doesn't die. He doesn't the, die, but his, his cohorts his do. cohorts do. But very horribly. And, I mean, <laughs> he's twisting what is nonfiction into complete fiction. So I don't know why people pick and choose what they believe is fiction. It's just a beloved character that gets slightly shat on. But whatever, there's news out there that he hates stuntmen. Why? Would I mean, he? he took a 
Bruce Lee's character in that movie he took a pretty big hit and got up. That's why people are pissed because he got he knocked got hit down. knocked he didn't get knocked out he got knocked into the car door yeah. and he got up and and he got up, up and he was fine. Yeah. I mean, come on, what are you getting angry? That's a at triumph of the human spirit. Right I there. think sometimes people just get angry for the sake of getting angry and everything yeah. when they forget that hey, it's a it's a fucking movie, dude. Enjoy it and enjoy just as the whole. The, too. There's enough things in the world to get angry about. Yeah, you don't have to like. I'll start my list. Right now. <laughs> no, we don't have that Cut much time. To 17 hours later. Yeah, we don't have that much time. All right, that's good for this week, man. We got some really exciting ones coming up. Me and Justin did one for, and it's going to come out next week, is UHF, uh, the great Weird Al Yankovic uh, obscure movie. Then me and my cousin are doing, uh, we're, we're doing two of them when I'm up north visiting, and we're going to do Nighthawks, and we're going to do um, Nighthawks, and Fright Night, and then me and Justin are also going to do the underwater uh, sci-fi movie Leviathan, also a horror movie, really great one. And then me and Dave got a couple coming up too, so the next few weeks are going to be really exciting, so you're going to want to check us out for that. But if you want to leave us an email and let Dave know that it's time to watch Crystal Skull, yep. you can get a hold um, of us. I got it queued up and ready to go. <laughs> you can check us out, face, uh, fastenwayfilms at gmail.com, or you can just leave me or Justin a message and say, hey, get Dave to do his shit now. On uh, Facebook, you can check us out under Fascinating Films on Facebook, or you could uh, leave us a like or a comment on our two platforms, which are SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, we would definitely appreciate it. But until we see you next week, hopefully you enjoyed this, and we will see you then. So until then, see you. Later. Scared of heights, huh? <laughs> Me too.